Welcome to the Sessions with Sessions podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John, and we're a group of writers from up in Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, talk about writing, talk about racing a lot lately. Um, talk about, I mean, we're, we're into the, the swing of things, guys. Um, so, uh, here today with episode number 35 um, of the podcast. Pretty stoked. Uh, with Mr. Evan Lowe. How's it going, Evan? Good, thanks. Nice. And uh, Mr. Bernetti. Boys, always a pleasure. Nice, nice. Um, I mean, I'd ask uh, what you guys have been up to lately, but we all know uh, that's why we're kind of doing this podcast. Uh, I guess we'll kind of jump right into it. Uh, last weekend was kind of nuts, wasn't it? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we did a pretty big event. Uh, Brunei, why don't you uh, give the uh, give the listeners kind of a quick one, too, and what happened last weekend? Sure. So um, as you guys know, we've sort of been talking about uh, some of the training that we've been up to this off season. Uh, so Coach Todd uh, has been putting us through the gears uh, on Zwift three times per week. Um, well, probably since, you know, October, October, November, we've been uh, pretty consistently training uh, for the entire off season. And uh, this past weekend, uh, we uh, we had the, uh, the rolling circus head down uh, to Hamilton and... Uh, uh, there was nine of us, uh, nine, that, nine, nine, racers. Of us nine, nine racers, racers and Kelly, nine racers plus a Kelly uh, that participated in the uh, the Paris to Ancaster hundred kilometer uh, gravel race, and uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was it was, it cool, was an eh? amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, it was it was uh, really well organized. It was uh, weather was incredible. The route was fantastic. I don't think I've. Uh, had so many different types of terrain to ride over on one ride (laughs) everything from going over someone's lawn to up their driveway and out their farm truck exit like i mean it was just it was it was pretty spectacular there was there was some some interesting smells i found (laughs) along the way depending on you know what that farmer was into uh whether you know animal or whatever yeah Yeah, so there was certainly some some, it was a it was an aromatic ride (laughs) in some sections to say the least yeah the pig farms made it hard to breathe (laughs) yeah um so for those you don't know i mean the paris Ancaster race um it's been around for a long time like since the 90s and it is basically coined now as the gravel race before gravel racing was a thing so it used to be like a cyclocross race but it was a distance focused cyclocross race so not like the short track stuff that a lot of them do um it had a lot of road sections some gravel sections and lots of mud and that's what they always talked about is lots and lots of mud sections and mud shoots We'll talk about that more in a minute, but uh, it historically was always a 70-kilometer event or some smaller um, you know, some smaller distances for other riders, but 70 was the big one. This was the first year, I mean, with the return of the Paris to Ancaster after a couple of years off from COVID, that, <coughs> sorry, they um, they introduced the 100-kilometer race. So um, we were super stoked to, I mean, get to take advantage of that. I mean, we uh, we do do a lot of long rides, so... Uh, and we do ride a lot of really rough uh, road and gravel here in Sudbury. So it's, uh, I mean, take advantage of going down and doing that 100 kilometer, you know, the first time for them to do the lo- a long race like that was was pretty cool. Yeah, and honestly, the day could not have been any more perfect. Um, uh, you know, woke up in the morning, it was a beautiful sunny day. Uh, there was a slight headwind uh, throughout, but, I mean, nothing too drastic. Um, and the event was just so so well put together uh yeah. you know where you're, you're you're starting in paris um rolling into you know a large field and just seeing like a mass of riders everywhere um you know kind of getting everybody organized um putting everyone into the sort of their sections um you know the the the, the canadian national anthem uh, yeah. all of a sudden some dude rolls out and starts like ripping it on an electric guitar <laughs> which was just amazing right like just such on a her. cool little like you know like the of, like, muskets going off yeah muskets yeah. going off as the groups are leaving uh, you know, airplane flying over, welcome back, P2A. Like, they just, like, there was just a lot of, um, a lot of little details um, that, that they cool. really kind of knocked out. Even just, like, to be able to warm up in that area. Tons of parking for everybody, but there was a track um, sort of in the... In, it's at like the, a horse at the start, track or something. something. Yeah. There's some sort of track, but um, just to be able to kind of warm yourself up, there was a lot of space for the riders. So everybody could spread out, everybody could get ready. Uh, and then you could just kind of, you know, spin a few laps just to kind of get your legs going, which was... Um, which was really, really nice. And I think for us, 
after having coming off, you know, freezing cold riding for the last number of months <laughs> uh, to get to, you know, feel some sun on your face and yeah. have a, pl- a ride in plus temperatures yeah. um, was was pretty incredible. And I mean, for us, it was our first time, but um, from what we, you know, what they told us, this was like probably the best weather they've maybe ever had for they the race, ever, right? Yeah. So, um, so I think we were really, really spoiled for a first experience. Um, but, you know, just like, I can't wait to go and do it next year. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, now that we kind of got our feet wet and we know what we're getting ourselves into, um, I think that we can uh, even better prepare um, for what's, like, what's about to come. Uh, But overall, I think the team, uh, we really knocked it out. You know, I think that everybody, uh, I think everybody had an amazing time. I think that everybody was well prepared with nutrition, like lots of the stuff that we've been talking about on the podcast. Like it was really cool uh, to be able to bring it all back together and put it into like a real world application. Absolutely. I mean, it it really was, I think almost everybody, (laughs) sorry, everybody with the exception of maybe Kelly's first real real race like we we've done bush pig races before we've done small little local races but that's our first i mean three thousand people down there at that race like that's that's a large amount of people i mean there's mm-hmm. five four hundred or so in the hundred k um but like there's a lot of people on course and there's a lot of people you're racing against i think that's the first time we've ever um or i can say for myself had that kind of competition pressure which was yeah pretty cool what, evan what was it like in the corral like when we were waiting to leave the start gate with you know hundreds of people in front of us and hundreds of people behind us shoulder to shoulder what was that feeling like it was uh pretty nerve-wracking um you know we'd we'd been talking before we went down about how you know put your hands on the drops and put your elbows out and be prepared to get jostled around and uh you know rider crashes at the start and things like that so like all of that's going through your head you know, as you're waiting for the countdown to start and, like, everybody, you just hear, like, click, click, click of everybody's pedals getting snapped onto their shoes. And I, I don't know, like, it just, the more, like, the closer it got to the start time, the more the heart rate goes up and you wonder what's going to happen because, like, I've never experienced anything like that before. Um, and then, you know, things, except for that one rider that crashed, um, I think things went pretty well leaving the shoot. Like, there wasn't too much jostling. There was a lot of bottles. There was, <laughs> it was yeah. a yard sale of bottles. <laughs> like, there's so I met a guy in the last, like, I guess the last 5K, and he was just cooked, and we were riding together laughing, and he was like, I was like, so how did you raise Ben? And he's like, well pretty good considering i lost my bottle on the first corner yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we had one just, bottle the whole race i can't believe people didn't go back it kind of blew my mind like yeah. you have hours to make up the 30 seconds it would take you to stop and go back <laughs> yeah. except you might get like, driven over yeah, that's, that's true that's true so i um i've done a few of the summer solstice races oh, okay uh, yeah, and yeah. a few other a few other larger races um, throughout the time. So, uh, the mass start was not something that was, that was entirely new to me. Um, and the team that I typically race the, the summer solstice with, uh, it's, which is a 24 hour race at Albion. Um, we always like the new guy always gets to be the first rider because we're typically a five man team. So, uh, it's nice for everybody to get to experience what it's like to be in a mass start like that. Um, so I would say that the, and that's a, a 24 hour mountain bike race. Uh, this was definitely a little bit less chaotic. Um, uh, I, I found that there was, you know, probably a similar amount of, of riders that were sort of starting in that front pack. Um, but it was, I just thought it was actually pretty nice and clean the way it came mm-hmm. out. They had it nice and wide. The first, you know, the lead-in was well put together. I, I think, think so. that that's, was a long yeah, lead-in too, a long which lead-in, was nice. Yeah. Like you, you're able to, everyone kind of got themselves spaced out pretty quick. Um, and I think people, you know, with the distance that was going there, I think people really realized, like, you know, it is important to get on someone's fast wheel, but at the same time, if you are an intermediate <coughs> racer, someone that's new to it, you're really getting into the nitty gritty of it. Oh, at the start, it's probably not worth yeah, it. Yeah, you like, got time, man. Like, you yeah. got time. Like, I, and I think that that's what, like, that was my interpretation. Like, I don't need to pass 15 guys in the first 30 seconds because I've got a few hours to get this sorted mm-hmm. out and dialed in. Uh, and I think that that was a level of comfort that you get when you're there with nine, like with eight other riders, like a yeah. team, right? So you have guys to lean on. You're looking for your, you're looking for your teammates. Um, it's a lot more comfortable than had you been going to an event of that size and doing it as a solo, right? Oh, so it was that, a really that's nice introduction. I talked to Kelly about it. So now uh, for all of you guys listening, so there's nine of us circus guys all in our clown suits. We're 
racing together and we stayed together for most of the race and we'll talk about that more in a minute but kelly was racing as well and we were in wave two kind of middle of the wave kind of middle back sure. uh having lots of fun kelly was up at the front now <coughs> the elite racers left first um the elite racers are all like the you know they have points and all that kind of stuff then the vips and the people who have raced the pair stand caster in past or people that have uh ontario licenses they um they they started after now they for some reason when they when they started the race they let the elites go first then they let they waited a couple minutes then they let everybody else go now the issue with that what kelly was saying was that he had no ability so like he couldn't have ever put in a better time than the elites. Now, to anyone listening, obviously, like people that leave first out of the gate, if it, there's a, it's a chip timer. So, like as you pass the gate, it starts, and as you get on the other side, it ends. So, like you're not directly racing against them. Like you, you are in time, but um, they are going to start a minute ahead of you. So, like you're going to be expected to be a minute behind them. But if because you can't get on their wheel, because you can't draft with the fastest of fast riders you have no ability to kind of get in there and that's what kelly was saying it was like well that was the only thing that maybe he was thinking it could have been a little better like as someone coming out of the gate hot i think with the elite riders that's their goal is the fastest riders will be in front and those are the guys that you want to draft behind because you're going to get the biggest advantage drafting behind right. the fastest rider. It almost should have been like the pros and the elites uh, like could have gone together and then maybe the V or even like have the VIPs go out that's with that I mean. group, like, right? And then just let just, everybody else. Just, I, I assume that that's just have everybody just send Or just it. have everybody go. Cause really, but maybe like, they were worried about some like some intermediate rider crashing into an elite rider or something like that, which maybe. would be pretty not so awesome. But like, yeah. uh, I don't know, that was the only, and like I, I have no skin in the game there because <laughs> I'm not that kind of racer yeah, that's going to hold sure. someone's wheel 40 kilometers an hour in a gravel race. But yeah. Kelly, Kelly was like, hey, like you know, maybe I could have done even better. Yeah, uh, he did, and he did very, he, very he, well. He nailed it. Like he crushed that race for sure. Yeah, on his dad's gravel bike. Yeah, aluminum gravel bike. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> one by one by with like a 40 in the front, yeah. spinning at like. 30, I think his average speed was like 36k an hour. That's impressive, man. He's he's, <laughs> he's an animal. Yeah, absolute yeah. animal. Um, so like the start was pretty awesome. I mean, uh, the first bit of the race, we were all kind of for the most part able to stay together. Yep. Um, Evan, you were in the first group that ended up dropping back. Yeah. Um, with Frank and his unfortunate. Um, what happened there? I don't know, like I was, I, I fell off the back about 15 kilometers in, uh, I just decided I was going to go a little bit slower, because uh, again, you've got a lot of time to make up, and I feel like I'm a better second half rider than I am a front half, so um, I was trying to conserve my energy a little bit, and uh, so I fell off the back, and uh, that was about kilometer 15, I guess, and then as I rounded the corner and started going down a hill, it was kilometer 22. Uh, and I saw Frank off to the side, and he had to fix his flat tire. And I just remembered, like, thinking what it, what it's like to ride by yourself and, you know, have to constantly be in the wind. And so, you know, the amount of time it takes Frank to change a tire is pretty short. So I pulled over, and we got his tire changed. And then uh, the two of us just kind of piggybacked one in front of the other uh, until we caught a group. And then... Um, because of his bike fit, I guess Frank had only ridden it one time, and his quads were starting to to bother him a little bit. So um, we kind of we kind of held back a little bit there, and then um, we went through one of the mud chutes and then under the rain the the train bridge. And I noticed that he was with another group, so um, he had said earlier on in the race for me to just go ahead, and I I did. I took my opportunity there and started riding with other people but yeah like i think we probably did 20 or 30 kilometers more or less on our own until we caught up like the 70s they passed us the main group of them <coughs> flew past us and then some of the stragglers that were behind the main group but still fresher um we fell in with them there you go and nice. sorted it out and then after that i just kind of like piggybacked on people so i'd see a, a couple of riders up ahead that were going the speed i'd want to go at and i'd ride to catch up to them and then draft them for a bit and yeah that was kind of the game right? it was if yeah you could stay like we um we we were together what 55 60k anyways yeah so i think kind of in the beginning i just sort of i i tried to push pace uh a little bit and probably was 
you know, like maybe five, 600 meters ahead of, ahead of the group. Um, and then probably in around the 10, 15 K mark, you guys kind of pulled in and, and caught up and, and hung and hung with <coughs> me. And we sort of started to pick up riders at that point and kind of maintained, uh, our group was, was really like tight together. Uh, I would say until probably around the 40 K mark where we yeah. sort of went along, there was that gravel, a gravel section that sort of ran parallel to the road where all the, the that had all the, um, the steel posts yeah. in the yeah, center. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. was like a bunch of, it was like a <coughs> bunch of crossings in the trail. That's where yeah. uh, and that's part. when um, we, there was some, some really, really quick riders that were in that section. Um, and a few of us, uh, I think kind of separated from the rest of the pack. So there was probably about, I think three or four of us that kind of started to pull ahead. Trying in that to pull section. ahead to those faster riders. Yeah. And, and we just kind of stuck wheel. and we just kind of hung on, hung on their wheel for a little bit. Um, and then we started pushing past those guys. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, probably around the 40, 45 K mark, I think that you and I, John, we kind of, um, and Andrew, uh, and Matt Marsh was with us a little bit at that point. Uh, but I think then kind of the two of us just sort of, uh, really kind of took off and found some riders that we were, we were probably pushing around consistently like 30, uh, like 30 K an hour. We were moving through a good portion of it. Um, and then, uh, the two of us just kind of hung out there until I think around 55 ish. That's when we got into like that really, really heavy mud. Um, there was a section that just ran yeah. a lot. I don't know if it was along a river yeah. anyways, there was some a really, really long muddy section. Um, and, uh, and I just remember you, like we came out of that and you were like, uh, getting off that, getting off my bike just, just <laughs> killed my legs. Like my legs are, my legs are. It beat. locked up, man. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. Like pedaling yeah. the bike, no problem. Getting yeah. off as soon as my feet touched the ground, mm -hmm. I started walking. Yeah. It was like, yo, what the hell? And they just yeah. walked out. Yeah. So <laughs> you and I kind of hung out together, I think, for about another five k. Yeah, yeah. I said, like, hey, let's go snag that group that was just out in front of us. So we snagged that group. <laughs> um, and then I was feeling good, so I just kind of, and, that, and then we, I was like talking with you, and I'm like, hey man, like this is what we came here for. We only got about 40k left. Like let's like let's put the pedal Send to it. the metal yep. here. So, um, so I really kind of dropped the hammer at that point and really started to push myself. Just recognize I felt really good. I had good hydration. I prepared really well with um, my game plan was some type of nutrition, um, whether it's you know like a, a caffeinated gummy or uh, a gel or something like that every 10 kilometers. So I did kind of stuck with that uh and really figured out my or my um my hydration as well so i my plan was a 750 mil bottle uh every 30k which i stuck to like pretty much bang on um so i was at 60 i was feeling i was feeling really really good and like i had a lot of leg left um so i just started mashing and and just kind of pulled away and that's where we sort of separated from each other um i found some riders caught a bunch of guys that i'd like had seen earlier on and chatted with them a little bit uh and then just slowly started grabbing riders that uh you could tell were like had push themselves too hard to start um strong riders but they were just starting to fade <coughs> a little bit so every time i would catch up to one of those guys i said hey guys like jump on and i was really trying to be like really motivational and grabbing as many guys as i could and just tried to drag them really through 70 to 90k like i again i've been doing a lot of the weekend before i've been doing a fair amount of riding uh on manitoulin straight into headwinds so the little bit of headwind that uh, that we found at the race that I think affected a lot of riders. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't think they were really ready for it to be, to fight like a headwind for, you know, hours on end. Um, for me, I was like, holy man, like I, I was really ready. Like I trained just, you know, by fluke the weekend before had trained really hard riding headwinds. Um, so it wasn't bothering me. So I was able to carry an, like a, a solid group of riders for like 20 K and they were all very, very appreciative. Um, and then around the 90 K mark, I just put it down even further and kind of left them, uh, left them behind and, uh, and just kind of mashed all the way through to the end and, and, and was really, really happy with my race. Like I think yeah, that man. everything, yeah, you should be, yeah, really yeah everything really <laughs> came together for me. It was more like one of the best, uh, one of the best performances I've had, I think on a bike. Like I really am really pleased with the way it turned yeah. out and yeah, you smoked your time. I mean. Yeah, it was, a, it was just in the whole event was amazing, right? Yeah. Like just right front to back. I thought that everybody did. Yeah did an excellent job. The team did really well. It was really cool to see uh, everybody kind of come together. We had an amazing support crew 
through like with you know the wives and the girlfriends being there and you know you know taking photos and cheering us yeah. on and you know like there was just there was a lot of really really awesome things that happened uh, throughout that day mm-hmm. so so John when you mentioned maybe around that 60k mark where you sort of kind of came out of that mud section <coughs> um, I think that something happened you and Andrew kind of caught each you guys yeah, sort of started so playing I was, around uh, there, right? it, it was it was bad so I uh, <laughs> I um, you had I would say you had maybe after coming out of that mud section and then we put the hammer down you we got into this like single track kind of section that like it was a long section man 5 10k long like single track section and uh, no mud just regular gravel and uh <laughs> you had maybe i don't know 100 meters on me and i was like oh, i gotta catch him i gotta I, what am i doing like i'm working so much harder here yeah than i would be at your wheel i just need to be at your wheel so i was like All right, i'm gonna pick it up a notch so i picked it up a notch and uh I didn't have as much in the tank as I thought I did. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not I'm not built for distance. I'm built for uh, I'm built definitely for for speed at a moment. So I uh, I wasn't able to catch it and uh, but then you're still you're still maybe 150 meters from me now and I'm like fuck it's it's not that far. Yeah. I got to be able to pick it up. And I I burned right out and then then I wouldn't see you about maybe 400 meters. I could still see you and I I put the hammer down. I'm like I got to do it. Yeah. And I gained but I wasn't riding the right numbers. So I was just burnt. So <laughs> then we're, um, I was riding by myself for 15K. Um, just trying to like, and it's funny, you you talk about bonking, you talk about that kind of stuff all the time. And it is really a mental game of like, you just can't let yourself you just fall into it. that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, you just got to keep, and, and that's what it was. It was just you know, keeping my head on, keep looking straight, keep doing what I'm doing. Don't stop. Keep going. And uh, <laughs> I remember going through this freaking farmer's field. And the farmer's field was, um, was wet and soggy and just grass. And I looked down at my garment, and I'm going like 15 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and I'm just hating life. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is awful. And I had, and I will say, my, my highlight of the, um, of the race, other than the horns, which was unbelievable, was my mirror. So I had my mirror underneath, and every once in a while you glance to see if a rider's coming up on you. Um, a bunch of the time, actually, before this, actually, one thing that killed me even more the 70k guys started catching up on me so they they released the 70 kilometer racers and i'm going down the road before the farmer's field and i see a group in my mirror coming up at me I'm like oh this is perfect riders coming up on me i'm gonna start picking up pace i'm gonna try to merge with them and i'll catch on the wheel i'll hold them and you know this would be great i can get so get a little bit of a break yeah. yeah so i pick up speed get just above 30 feeling good feeling okay i got a little bit of gas left in the tank but it, the riders pass me. I grab their wheel. I'm on their wheel for three or four seconds. I look down at my freaking Garmin. They're doing 40. Yeah, they were clipping. Oh, I just blew up. Yeah. They probably... <laughs> I had no idea what had happened. I was like, I don't understand yeah, it was how weird, such yeah. a fast rider could be behind me at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was weird. I didn't clue in that there was a 70-kilometer group on the same yeah. track at that point for mm-hmm. some reason. I probably did it three times. <laughs> I tried to catch them like three times. And I reached a point where I started looking in the mirror and judging by their sunglasses and their helmets, yeah. I could roughly decide on whether or not they're a significantly faster rider than I can hold sure. right now. <laughs> and like, and anyways, and I get this farmer field and I'm dying. I'm hating life. And I look down in my mirror and I see the circus jersey. And I'm like, oh no, I've got a cloud coming up. Yep. And it was Andrew. So Andrew called me. And if you guys don't know Andrew, Andrew's also a very small guy like myself. And uh, we, uh, we're definitely not built for distance. <laughs> 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 Andrew came up behind me and uh, he took the pole for, uh, I don't know, three or four kilometers and uh, just gave me just enough juice in my legs. And then we started swap- <coughs> swapping back and forth. And then Professor Woodcock came up behind me. Um, he caught us, and then he took a pole for a bit, and we kind of rode together to, uh, through the mud shoots. After the mud shoots, we lost um, we lost Professor Woodcock there, and it was just really me and Andrew to the to the last climb, and uh, we made up the climb, and we went. It was it was it was really good, but it was uh, it was definitely a team effort, and that's that's a a really interesting, a cool thing that you don't really think about all that much, especially with races. Like you're very fortunate. Uh, we were fortunate anyways to have a group to go down with the 
even just the first 50 60k we had a group pretty well the whole time you, you had yeah. the ability to draft and switch and that kind of stuff like that made a huge huge difference mm-hmm. um having to try to rely on the other people to support you is very very tricky because um, if they're if they turn it up in a point where you can't uh it's it's going to put the hurt on and that's what makes you get dropped yeah for sure yeah, that, that was kind of what I ended up doing, although I wasn't with really anybody from the circus. I would just grab onto random groups and stuff like that, and I rode with these two guys. I never caught their name, but uh, I rode with these two guys, I don't know, maybe 10K or so, and I caught up to them, and I said, like, I've just happened to meet you guys, and I need to tag along for a bit if that's all right. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And so they started doing their switching out, and I said, like, I can take a turn up front. And as soon as they took a turn up front, they just kind of, like, dropped off, and I was on my own again. So I had to, like, pedal again yeah. to, to catch another group. But, um, <coughs> like, being my first actual real race, um, more than anything, I've got a lot of takeaways from it. Mm-hmm. And um, understanding how to ride and not end up by yourself and, and to get yourself into a group and to be part of, like you know maybe an informal peloton or whatever um and at least take your take your turns and it it just helps everybody right and so um i spent most of the race just catching up to people which is exhausting well it's exhausting but it was like the way i looked at it is i would ride with a group of people and if they were going faster than i wanted to go then i would pick out the next group and see if we were catching up to them and if they were then i would drop off of the group i was following and and ride with the group that was going a little bit slower and then if i found that they were going too slow for me once my legs and you know once i felt like i was able to go faster again then i would just wait until somebody else passed me and then i'd pull out around and i'd catch up to them and like i would just you know do the trade-off back and forth so i sort of like continued to ride um it was like you know kind of a stay it wasn't a steady pace at all but um, again, like it was a learning experience, and I think probably understanding more that I need to um, be able to hold somebody's wheel that's consistent instead of like switching back and forth to groups. But I mean, it was better than riding by myself. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. You can't, you can't, and that's what Matt Marsh was talking to him. He said like he did like 40k by himself, and I said like, that's that's the worst. Like, that's yeah. like you're doing so much more work doing that mm-hmm. than you are trying to hold someone's wheel mm-hmm. um it, it makes it makes a huge difference um let's talk nutrition guys i mean we uh we were fortunate uh, most of us were able to do like we did a pretty big ride the week before um went and put 100k out with like a lot of elevation like more elevation than was that paris and gaster and uh got to try some nutrition play with some stuff but you know you did some rides and i was to play with some things um nutrition i mean i i brought maybe even too much food um my issue was a not enough water so i <coughs> i bought two bottles we were thinking that maybe we were going to stop at the uh at the refill station if we had to to refill water um it was at the it was inconveniently at the point where i was trying to catch you brunetti <laughs> that we went through the water station and i was like do i try to catch brunetti or do i get the water station and then ride by myself and i was like no absolutely not i'm gonna catch brunetti i'm not gonna ride by myself instead i rode by myself with no water <laughs> <laughs> so the best of both yeah, yeah, yeah. um which which the thing i didn't think about because it was it was fine i wasn't i had enough water to make it through the the race and i wasn't overly dehydrated the problem was is in the last i'd say 10k maybe 15k i couldn't eat any of the gels and i couldn't eat any of the like um the blocks because i didn't have enough water to really wash it down down. and like it was like almost like pasty yeah yeah. and i I, that was the issue is i needed to i really three bottles would have been the case Mm -hmm. if i was going to do that um but otherwise, like gels and uh, gels and locks. What about yeah. you, Bernetti? So um, I've been over the last like few years. Um, I've really been trying to focus on longer riding. Um, so uh, you know, spending a lot of time solo long riding. So like the complete opposite of you guys, how you really like to be on the back of somebody's wheel. 
I like to be out front. I just like the feeling of not having a tire in front of me. I actually don't like trying to pace behind somebody because it throws <laughs> off my rhythm just because I do so much solo riding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that piece of it for me, like I would prefer to use more energy and ride in the front than to conserve <coughs> energy and ride behind yeah. somebody because it throws off. Like I, like for me just being a, like my cadence is, is really important to me. And when I'm, when I'm like pedal, 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 not pedal, 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 not pedal like that. It, like it just, it drives me bonkers. Like I would rather just hammer and get out in front and like, I'll pull you all day. Like that's just my preference. Yeah. So, but what it gets back to is that, um, I have really div- like, I know myself, my nutrition, uh, for like, you know, hundred or 150 K rides really, really well, just based on what I've been up to over the last number of years. So I know for myself personally, like I need a 750 mil bottle with, I like, I really like high five is like, is the the caffeinated electrolyte that I really like. So it's two, uh, like a tab and a half, um, in a 750 mil bottle, um, for every 30 kilometers is exactly what I need. Like that is the level (laughs) of hydration that I need for my body. It's like what I've been doing, like I said, for the last number of years, and it works really, really well for me for this race, because I knew I would be pushing a little bit harder. Um, heart rate was, you know, probably like 15 to 20 beats higher than I would (coughs) typically like go if I'm just going for a regular ride um, so we had the e-load um, carbohydrate powder yep. that was added into each of the bottles um, so and we had tried that on the fat viking and I knew that that was something that like that will become part of my regular mm-hmm. um, like what I do uh, I just like typically I'm just grabbing a granola bar or a couple granola bars when I'm just going on like the regular weekend 100 kilometer rides which I'm not like you're not pushing that kind of pace yeah um but I think like I said, I think that that was like, that was a really big key for me is I knew that I needed three bottles. Everybody else was not sure how much I said, like, no, like, absolutely. I am bringing three bottles, two on the frame, carrying one. Each one is going to have like the, the right amount of like caffeinated electrolytes. It's going to have the right amount of, um, carbohydrate, which is like a, just a liquid carbohydrate that you can add into the, into your drink that has is flavorless. It doesn't make it thick. It doesn't make it chalky. It's basically just tastes like, well, it has no flavor. Um, so just adding in just and like just fuel um and i'd also set myself as i kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast that i want every 10 kilometers i'm going to have something some kind of some kind of nutrition so (coughs) i had a number of different gels um with me uh and also some caffeinated um uh shop blocks like so the, the just caffeinated gummies um so like i said through the first 60 ish k uh i maintain that like like clockwork every 10k boom took something you know it, it alternated depending on how i was feeling if i was feeling okay um i would just do a gummy if i was feeling like oh you know what i need a little bit more um i grab i had a, a, a variety of different um uh, of different gels, uh, some of them sodium, some of them just caffeine, some of them, like I said, so yeah, yeah. just a, just a variety pack of different, you know, some thicker, some thinner, um, and I just kind of alternated between that. And then at the 60K mark, um, I turned it up and I started the same routine, but I did that every 5K. So just really, I doubled down on what I was doing for, for, for nutrition. Uh, and again, maintaining that I need just watching where I was at every time I would check my bottle, just making sure that every 10 K I was about a third of a bottle. And again, that's just all experience. Like I, I know when I'm taking a sip, how much of that bottle is left and where I'm at based on my mileage. So I can keep it really, yeah, really dialed going. in. Yeah. And again, that's just like, that's just experience. That's, that's me. Evan, John, whoever, like everybody's going to have like, they need to figure out like how much do you need to consume to yeah. maintain your energy? Well, and also even just like what you need in the bottles. Like yep. something I've realized is if I run, so if I'm running two bottles and I run both them with uh, electrolytes, both them with scratch or, yep. or noon tabs, I can't do it. I need a wa- one bottle with, with water. Okay. Uh, water or what I've been doing is using that, um, the, uh, carbohydrate yeah. in the water cause you can't taste it, yeah. but I need one that's just water because I find the sweetness sometimes just kills me. If they market um, an electrolyte powder that's got like half the sweetness to it. Half the sweetness. They, like that would be dynamite. I can't, sometimes like, and I I get it, it's like, you know, you would think that you're out, you're doing this much energy, you want the, you want the sugars, you want the sweetness. But for me, like sometimes, yes. Yeah. But sometimes, especially when I'm like, when I'm really burning, I need like water, water. Like I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll have my, like nutrition yeah and then i need like like just the 
the water. Sure. Like, it mm-hmm. can't taste like anything. If as soon as it mm-hmm. tastes like something, I almost feel like I need to have water also. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like sense. I said, it's, it's just everybody's going to be unique. Absolutely. Right? And that, that only just that comes with experience and that comes <laughs> with riding long rides. And you you can't – you can guess at it, but until you start doing it, um, you know, you're just – everyone's – you've got to do you. Right? Yeah. And there is no there is no magic magic equation that's going to work for every single rider. No, you're correct. Um, so I'm, I'm just – like I said, I'm at a bit of an advantage because I've been – I've, so I've been playing rides. with that. Yeah. I've been playing with that for years now. So, um, you know, I – I nailed it. Yeah. I nailed my nutrition and my hydration for this Which ride. I think like was I, a huge yeah. advantage. Like that's yeah. something. Well, Evan, like what was your nutrition like? How did that go? Uh, I'm never doing <coughs> goldfish again. That was a mistake. Um, I had planned on having the goldfish because they are like a salty snack, and I was running into cramping on the uh, Good Friday 100 kilometer ride that we did, and I thought that I would need like more salts, more electrolytes, more, you know, that kind of stuff to stave off the cramps. So um, I packed a bunch of goldfish. I just put them loose in my in my frame bag. I put um, the uh, salt cubes. I put um, caffeine cubes. I just, and, and just then I had mix. some, yeah, yeah, I just had some, ch- like, just like your grandma's, like, candy dish, right? Like, yeah. just all sorts of stuff in there. Um, and I just had that in my, in my frame bag. Um, and I, I, at first it was okay. The first couple of like handfuls of goldfish, but then when you're kind of like breathing heavy and it's time to eat and the goldfish are dry and your mouth is full and you got to breathe through your nose, but you really can't cause you need like the whole mouthful of air kind of thing. Like it was, it was just bad. And then the only thing <coughs> that was good about it was it forced me to drink. Um, so like, cause my mouth is dry from the goldfish. Uh, I need to drink something, uh, and I was, um, I so I had the one water bottle that had the scratch electrolytes in it, and I'd also added in a scoop of the uh, carb, like that e-load stuff, and then I had another water bottle that only had the e-load stuff in it, which was just like plain water, mm-hmm. uh, so it was good in that sense, but I would definitely bring a third water bottle, because yeah. it's not that I ran through the water bottles before I made it to the water station, it was that I didn't drink as much as I should have, because I was worried about running through all of the water so even if i never used it having it in my back in the pocket yeah, it would have been nice it would have been it, it just would have taken that extra thing in my head out yep. and i wouldn't have had to think about that <coughs> but what i found that really worked well for me was the uh, stuff that we picked up on our way down um those those sodium the caffeine stuff um, those gels but like seriously i can't remember what you call them those uh the the uh the ones that taste like eat more Oh yeah, yeah the grind. Those, those ones are yeah, nice. so so like for just nutrition stuff, like just to have like carbs in and 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 yeah. replenishing glycogen stores, those are dynamite. The other things that are really good for me are those uh, maple syrup and ginger. The maple syrup ones are because ten out of ten. Yeah, and they slide down your they're throat. They're so, so liquid, yeah. Yeah. so thin, and they're that's, perfect. That's something I find with a lot of gels is they're so thick. Yeah. that you're washing it down with stuff, but those yeah those and they they hit you fast. Yes, they do. Super like fast. in in minutes. Yeah, and that one has caffeine in it too. Yeah. about the caffeine yeah. ones. Yeah, so that so. was really good. Uh, the other thing though that I will be packing on long rides is mustard. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. So how did uh, <laughs> did you bring mustard, Bernetti? No. Okay, so mustard. Um, I so this is this came from Todd. Todd had said that he talked to. I believe it was Rusty. Yeah. And Rusty said you have to bring mustard. And so you know what? I took one pack of Todd's freaking mustard packs, like little ketchup packs and mustard packs that you get from freaking Burger King. Um, I I put one of those just in my frame bag. And (coughs) we were doing one of the hills. It was it was rated nearing the end, but it wasn't. uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the last one it was one of them anyways and i was like i was beat in my legs i could feel them starting to lock and uh like just the quad was just firing really hard like starting to lock up and i was like oh no this isn't good and and I, i'm historically pretty good like put power down in an instant kind of guy and if i can't do that that's kind of how i ride is like like burst slow down burst slow down burst slow down so if i can't do that it doesn't really work i can't i can't just consistently ride at a pace so i um I I went full Hail Mary. I was like, I got to like, what's in this bag? And I also had no water at this point. So I I was very limited in what I could eat. I'm like, mustard? Sick. How bad could it be? And I sent it. Number one, went down well. Yeah. Went down well. Did not need to have water with it, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Number two, within 30 seconds, I was like, I went to go put power down. Legs were there. 
Legs were there, no cramp, nothing. I was like, that is unfreaking believable. My only regret is not having more mustard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> me too. That was mine because I cramped hard at the last two kilometers, and I, yeah, I could have had like instead of a water bottle, I should have put like a mustard bottle. <laughs> just a full mustard just a, bottle. Just a big yeah. bottle of French's. Yeah, <laughs> magic yeah. ticket. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's interesting, and I'll probably I would like to try that. Like I just because I I mean. Touch wood. I've really never struggled with cramping while cycling. Like it's never been it's never been an issue for me. Yeah. Running, on the other hand, um, doing <laughs> a few tri- attempting a few triathlons, I have locked up the really bad on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so bad on that. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no, there's no chance I'm making it through a five k run or whatever the distance. I, I, yeah. It's not not my not me. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to hear uh, the different perspectives. Uh, and I think that as you guys start to ride more regular, longer rides, um, you'll just figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, yeah. right? It's just it's just time. It's just time and experience and just playing with different equations. And, but it's, and, it's even different when you're, when you're racing, too, because it's, it's yeah. figuring out, like, everything is... Amplified like, so much, so much more, and things hit yeah. you faster. And then, like, like you have aid stations, so it's like to use or not to use. Like, there's there's some stuff there that you know, an elevation. I mean, we didn't. There wasn't a lot of elevation in this, which was awesome. Um, but like, you know, for me, it was sprinting. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strong sprinter. Yeah. But it was a lot of like sprinting from one group to another group, and then trying to you're, you're falling behind. You have to catch back up. There was a lot of like instances where it wasn't. Um, it wasn't consistent riding for me. And like, you go to go sprint and you're like, ooh, that's, yeah, I'm definitely pushing on a burnt leg right now. Yeah. And that you can only do that so many times before the leg just like stops. And I, I hadn't experienced that before until on one of the Zwift races. Uh, I finished the Zwift race on one leg. Like, it's like my other leg, I couldn't, I couldn't push with it. I had to unclip and just like let it flop. Just let it like, be, yeah. Be and a dead leg. Exactly. And then this is like, I mean, obviously this race that happened a couple times. Yeah. I've, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, um, being like almost a, almost a week, well, half a week, I guess out, uh, what would you say are your, what was the biggest takeaway or the biggest thing that you found out about riding like with yourself or in a group or you know as the race like what would what would you say was the biggest thing you took away from the race buy better horns (laughs) buy better horns (laughs) um so we we brought um the circus brought down better bought horns down and we uh we honked our horns the entire race and had a lot of fun i say the entire race but it's really as long as the horns lasted which is not very long like everyone's horns like seems like they're good for about 500 honks which lasts about three and a half minutes yeah. Um, yeah, we uh, we we spent a, we did a lot of honks very fast, and then either people lost the backs of the horns, mm-hmm. or otherwise they um, they they just stopped working. Uh, but on a more serious note, um, I'd say it's like putting like putting in more distance. I mean, the, the thing about this race is it's like Paris to Anspach, Ancaster, sorry specifically, is it's so early in the season there was only like a week and a half's worth of time to ride outside <laughs> which was unfortunate yeah. um we definitely had enough saddle time in it would have been nice to get a couple long rides in um but i think my biggest takeaway is is, is group riding and uh and making sure that the group you're going to ride with like our group we we're fortunate to have a lot of riders that were the same ability level and i think that really really helped us and i think finding Finding ways in season, again, Paris Tancaster being kind of inconvenient, being so early, to ride in a group and get comfortable riding in a group and get comfortable being on someone's wheel. And, like, when someone sprints to catch another group to keep up with them and staying tight and how much power uh, that saves in your legs and how much uh, fatigue that saves you by staying in a group uh, is totally underrated. Um, And it's something that I think... It's, it's unfortunate for a rider that shows up to one of these races with, like, not a lot of knowledge on that front to just try to win, the, do the thing himself. Like, you, you really got to stay on someone's wheel. And if you're staying on people's wheels that don't know, even if you're not riding as a group, if you're not going down with a group of nine people like we were, you're still learning how to ride in a group so that you can help other people, but other people can also help you. 
Because if you don't, if you're not comfortable staying a couple inches from someone's tire, or even worse, if you're a bad person for someone to draft, they ain't gonna help you, man. Mm -hmm. Like if you're on the brakes every time someone's behind you, like you, you have to learn these etiquette things, and you have to learn um, where to be aggressive together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, um, the biggest takeaway, and again, this is partially race related, but also uh, really getting back to the huge advantage of getting bike a bike fit, um, is just I now have a better understanding of what my cadence and heart rate. And again, I I still need to get the the power piece. I need I it would be really nice to race with power meters. Um, just starting to put together the last piece of the equation because I know now where I can maintain my heart rate and mm -hmm. at a race pace versus just a ride pace. Uh, so I know where my, like where my level, like my numbers are that are comfortable that I now know I can maintain, yeah. uh, at a, at a longer distance. Um, and just really, really happy with, um, how I, how I know how to climb now and how I know how to descent and how I know how to man, man like manage my power output, even though I don't have a power meter, I think that between my <coughs> cadence and my heart rate, I'm kind of putting those two numbers together. So I'm just starting to continue to build my racing inventory for yeah. myself, right? Because I'm looking at, I'm just looking at, at my, at my, I don't know, like at, at my values and, and being able to compute that in within minutes, then now throwing the nutrition piece in behind it and, mm -hmm. and really starting to dial in, um, a lot of the, the information that I've been kind of taking in and reading more about like cycling and, and different things along those lines and, and putting that into practice. Um, so for me, I think that that was the biggest takeaway is to trust in what I think about myself and what I know about myself and I'm now feeling more comfortable in um, like how I've prepared myself. I know my body and I know what I'm capable of. And it was, I guess it's just that to trust in that, <coughs> to trust in, in like that I know myself and know what I'm, what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I would say that I don't need to save as much because I probably could have pushed even a little bit harder but I didn't want to just blow myself up. You don't want to blow up. I didn't want to blow yeah. up. So I think that I probably had another 15% in the tank that I probably yeah, could yeah. have pushed even harder. There were mm -hmm. some sections where uh, I, I, I consistently maintained, um, but I I think I, I could have put the hammer down about a 10 or 15K earlier and really either tried to ramp up my average speed by 2, 2K per hour overall or hammered those sections maybe an, an extra 5k per hour through that extra those two extra 10k right. sections um i still had more gas i still had more in the tank that i could have i could have i could have dug into um so there there's there's room for improvement um but yeah i think it's just being able to trust in myself and recognizing that all of the work that our race team has been putting in is paying dividends because i'm learning about myself i'm <laughs> learning about what i'm capable of um and now just like i, I just it'll be fun to translate that knowledge to other people like even throughout the race like noticing small things like having hints and stuff like that for, for like for for matt marsh for example who is a similar rider to my <coughs> size um and just seeing things that i'm like matt do this matt try this like i think that that was one thing that really came out of the circus is we are a team that supports each yeah. other and if you see something that you can try and help a rider i don't think anybody takes it as a negative if somebody is no, trying to give not. you advice right yeah. and that's that's really cool to see our team evolving that way because it's it's not every man for himself it's every man for the team and it's mm -hmm. like you know you stopping and hanging out with frank when he realized that he had a, had a blown tire like like what that probably brought to Frank's race was, was, was huge, right? Like just him knowing that there was a teammate that was there to support him. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, you and I riding together for a while and then, you know, that kind of coming apart, but then Andrew coming up and yeah. dragging you along. And like, it was just, uh, it was really cool to see our team uh, evolving, right? And, and like, work well together yeah. the whole time. hundred percent. The whole story, I think at the yeah. end of the day for us, it's, it, was just, it was the team. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. On, on the funny note of power meters there, I mean, you like, I found even, so my pyometer wasn't working, but we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but um, something, riding a bike with the pyometer that wasn't working, but doing so much training on Zwift, I found myself thinking about power. So you, you find yourself, even if you don't have power displayed, 
it's something you don't usually think about. Like, obviously, you know when you're pushing harder and you know when you're not pushing as hard. But you, you're, like, you can actively think about well, perceived rate power. of exertion. Exactly. Right? So you know, I know you've been doing some reading. So <laughs> just trying to find that like, like perceived rate of exertion, like where you're at. Okay, like I, I'm at a six. I'm at a seven. Like I, exactly. I am now like utilizing that in all of my exactly. riding. Like it doesn't matter if I'm going for a 20k ride or if I'm going for a 150k ride. My perceived rate of exertion is something that I'm actively paying Always attention about, to, right? and I know. And even just right? how much each each pedal stroke, and how much weight you're putting into each pedal stroke, and right. how uh, it was pretty cool. I I found a couple times like when we were out front and we were pushing that that first bit, and we were pushing pretty hard, especially when we were in um, the group with those faster riders, mm-hmm. and we were we were flying. Yeah, we were cooking, and we were we were out front with them and taking poles with them and doing that kind of stuff and uh my power meter wasn't working so i just it was off i didn't have any cadence i didn't have any power so i was uh was riding and i'm like i know i'm a small guy for i mean everyone listening to this podcast should have probably met me at some point but i'm like five six hundred thirty pounds and uh i'm supposed to my ftp i don't know 220 230 um i i'm not like if i can hold in around 220 for i don't know a reasonable amount of time and then I kept looked down. The power meter would turn on at some point, and the uh, the Garmin would pick it up, and it's like power meter found. And I looked down, four hundred and forty watts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> right? there, there is a reason that you are burning out, sir. Yeah, in the middle of a farmer yeah. field, going, yeah. fucking John, why yeah. you four hundred and forty yeah. watts at that LD? Why are you doing that? Oh like, you're doing it. And <laughs> anyways, uh, Evan, your uh, your answer to your own question. Um, I think similar to Bernetti, uh, just learning how to ride within my metrics and, um, you know, uh, use my heart, because I don't have power meters, so um, learning how to use my heart rate to gauge where I'm riding at and how long I can sustain that. Uh, (laughs) And also, I think probably the biggest rabbit hole now that I'm going to be going down is uh, cramping, Uh, because everything that I thought I knew about cramping and how to mitigate it is is wrong. So, like, it's, it's... like hydration and electrolytes do account for a little bit, but it's mostly um, neuromuscular fatigue and um, blocked blocked pathways from your muscles to your brain. And so it's understanding how to <coughs> open those and um, like there are things that you can do. I mean, part of it is definitely being stronger, um, but at some point when even the strong people start to cramp, it's because they've got these blocked pathways and so now I'm going to have to figure out how to open them and keep them open and what to do when they start to close so hmm. that's my that's your research that's my research, research project for the year yeah. there we go yeah, we'll have a cramping good, podcast I'll be submitting my paper in six Perfect. months yeah. <laughs> you and Beavers yeah. Yeah. peer reviewed yeah so uh, I guess that's it, guys. I mean, that's us, uh, the circus, down at uh, Paris to Ancaster this last week. So podcast hopefully goes out tomorrow. Um, you probably noticed by this point that there's no video. Um, that's because I cannot find the battery to my camera. <laughs> uh, so Shocker. Hopefully by uh, next podcast I either have a new battery or I found my old one. Um, but I, I guess that's it, guys. If you guys have questions about Paris Ancaster, if you guys want to come out and do it next year if you guys want to come and ride with us next year on this uh reach out let us know um if you guys have questions about uh things we went through how the race was um how muddy the mud shoots were and how the gravel was please reach out leave a comment uh you know ask away um but otherwise make sure you guys like and subscribe make sure you guys uh tell your friends and uh, i guess that's it from everyone out here have fun out there all right cheers guys see you soon see ya